0: start in a place tonight that you're going to say, really, that's where we're going to start? Because it's so familiar that you're going to say, I have heard all that there is to hear about that, but we're going to go there anyway, right? Because, you know, just when you think that you know all of the scripture, you realize how much you don't know, right? Right? And so we're going to go there. We're going we're, we're gonna to go somewhere so familiar that you guys are going to go, really? So I want you to flip your Bible open because it should fall right open to where, Austin? Mark 11, 20. We're going to start at 22. Mark 11, 22. We're going to start right there. We're just going to go right there tonight. And if you say, "Well, I've heard this verse a million times. I already know all the preaching about this verse." No, you don't. So that's where we're going. Amen. So, verse twenty-two, Mark eleven twenty-two. This Jesus talking now, right? Y'all got your pen, you got your notebook, and you're ready to write some things down. Amen. What does Jesus say in this verse? It says, and Jesus said something. What does He say? Have faith in God. Jesus says, have faith in God. Right? Does that sound like a suggestion? Does it sound, uh, sound like He wants you to try? Try to have faith in God. You know, there's actually some translations that in some of these verses, they put the word try in there. God doesn't ever tell you to try something. If He tells you to do it, He knows you can do it. And so in this verse, He says, Have faith in God. Amen? And so in some other, like in the margin of some some Bibles, it says, Have the faith of God. Or... Have the God kind of faith. You've heard it said that way, right? Have the God kind of faith. I say, have the same kind of faith that God has. Have faith in God means have the same kind of faith that God has. You mean God has to have faith? Yeah. Yeah. God has faith. And so what kind of faith is it? If I'm supposed to have the same kind of faith that God has, what kind of faith is that? What does God's faith do? It believes what He says. It believes what He says. The God kind of faith, the same kind of faith that God has, believes what comes out of God's mouth is going to happen. Right? And so that's the kind of faith that that verse is telling us to have. Have that same kind of faith. And, you know, so... Do you think that at creation, God was trying to create the earth? The heavens and the earth? No. He had, he had faith to know that when He said it, it was going to be. Right? And now He just told us to have that same kind of faith. Amen? Let's go on with verse 23. It says, in the King James, it says, For verily I say unto you. So that word verily means truly. Truly I say to you. So, you know, God's Word is true. It says in other places that the Word of God is truth. And, you know, in these days that we live in, there's a lot of stuff going around that, uh, well, there's really no absolute truth. But the Word of God is true. It's true. It's truth. And so he's saying right here, I'm telling you the truth. Because this is His Word, and His Word is truth. He says, I'm telling you the truth right here. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, when he said whosoever, did he just mean like just Austin and me and Pastor Allen? And that's it. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. When he says whosoever, point to yourself and say, I'm a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. If the Word of God says whosoever anything, wherever you read the word whosoever, that can be you. That doesn't automatically make you, because you've got to do what it says. But it says whosoever, that's me. I'm a whosoever. So it says whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea. Now let's just stop right there. Because y'all have heard this verse. We're going to take it step by step. Okay? So stop right there. What did Jesus say to do? What did He say do? He said say. Say something. Jesus says say something. Alright? And when He said say something, did He say pray something? It doesn't say, whosoever shall pray for something to this mountain. It doesn't say pray. It says say. So, is this a prayer? is He telling you to pray? A pray about the mountain? No. He's he's not saying pray at all. He did not say pray for the mountain to be moved. He said, say unto the mountain. Right? Y'all got it? And there's too many people... Walking around, even preachers preaching, begging God to do something about their mountain. Please, oh please God, move this mountain out of my way. Please God, or coming up for prayer every service, pray for me because I got this mountain in my way. And if we just pray together, maybe it will move. Pray for this mountain to move, and they're too busy praying when they ought to be saying. They're too busy praying when they should be saying, Amen. We had this great conversation at youth group Wednesday night, and we were sitting or Sunday night, and we were sitting with the with the kids in a circle, and and I looked at Keenan and I said, Hey, Keenan. Turn real quick to the verse in the Bible that says that, that, uh, that we ought to be praying for, for uh, God to come and do something about the devil that's bothering us. And Kenan was like, hmm. And I said, find it. Find find the verse. And I said, all you kids, find, that, find the verse that says where God says, pray to God that God would come do something about the devil. And then Kenan gave it away and said, there is not one. There is no such verse. There's no such verse. And so, you know, a lot of people are too busy praying, which is just begging God to do something that He's already done or giving you another instruction about how to do it. Nothing wrong with prayer. Don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with prayer. When the Word of God says that you need to be praying. Because there are things we got to pray. But a mountain in your way is not one of them. Okay? He didn't say pray here. He said say. 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 And so, you know, why people going around praying instead of saying? Because maybe their preacher is teaching them the wrong message. And I hate to say it that way, but some people are being mistaught. Maybe people are just ignorant about what this book actually says. They, they feel better if they give that responsibility to God so they don't have to carry that responsibility. Maybe they're just lazy. I'm just going to be blunt. It's easier to say, well, God's in control and whatever He's going to do will be fine with me. Just, you know, God, just do whatever you're going to do. And and if you decide to do it, okay. If you don't, okay. And people get lazy because they don't want to take responsibility. Am I stepping on somebody's foot tonight? I'm sorry, but stop begging God to do things that He's already told you something else to do, right? So in context, in this verse, what is the mountain? What is the mountain when he says, say to this mountain, what is a mountain? It could be a mountain, but what is a mountain? It's a problem. Yeah. Could be a sickness. It, it's a problem. It's an issue in your life. It's an it's a, a, a obstacle. That's what Pastor Hagen says an obstacle. An obstacle. It's something you need to overcome. It's a difficulty in your life. Amen? That's what the mountain is. It's something big and it's in your way. Right? It's something that's bothering you and you want it gone. Right? That's a mountain. Something standing between you and where you're trying to go. That's a mountain. All right? And God knew when He wrote this verse. Who was most invested in the needs and the wants and the desires of you? Who knows best what you need? You. Right? Don't you know better what you need than I know what you need? Don't you know what mountains are in your way much more than I know what mountains are in your way? That's why he didn't say, go find somebody else to say to your mountain. He said, you say to your mountain. Because you know what you need. Right? You are the most invested in you, and you know what you need, right? And so he said to speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Now when you're speaking to your mountain, are you necessarily talking to a person? No. Are you, are you talking to God when you're speaking to your mountain? Are you talking to God? No. No. You're not talking to God. You're not even rebuking the devil in that moment when you're speaking to your mountain. You're not even, that's not even the moment when you're rebuking the devil. You are, now all of those are good things, right? Those are, those are necessary things that could be done in combination with speaking to your mountain. But speaking to your mountain is speaking directly to the problem. You are actually you're actually telling the problem what you want it to go do. You're telling the problem directly, hey sickness, here's what I'm telling you to do. You're talking to it. Right? Have you ever talked to a cold? Have you have you, have you ever talked to a fever? Have you ever talked to something big like cancer and told it what to do? Have you ever talked to your money? How many of us talked to our bills? Have you ever talked to your money? Have you? Have you ever talked to um, something in nature? Have you ever talked to a tornado? Are you getting it? We talk to those things. And the reason that most people don't do it is because it sounds ridiculous. I mean, it sounds kooky. How many people, honestly, if you said, let's just say there was a storm coming and you came out of Walmart and you saw a storm coming and you start talking to that tornado to go another way or you start talking to it. The people in the Walmart parking lot are going to think you're nuts. Aren't they? This is why more people don't... I mean, when, you, when he said, say to the mountain, he didn't just say, you know, think it. I mean, when we say something, we say it out loud, don't we? How many of her ever, ever went to the doctor and you had a bad report and you just start talking to that thing right there in the doctor's office, the doctors and the nurses are going to think you're nuts. Right? But the word says to talk to the mountain. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. He talked to the wind, didn't He? Didn't He talk to the wind? He commanded. He rebuked the wind. The word rebuke means to say some words to it. He talked to it. He he talked to dead bodies. Didn't he? He? He talked to fevers. He talked to fevers. Let's look at it. I just want to look at it. Let's turn to Luke. Luke uh, four. Luke chapter four. Verse thirty eight. Luke chapter 4 verse 38. This is Jesus. He's, he's come out. He, he basically he's come out of church. He just left church. And he's going over to Simon's house. And it says now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. Uh, another translation says that it was, it was a bad fever. She was desperate. She had a, a very desperate fever. Right, she was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. And so he bent over her, and what did he do? He rebuked the fever. Did he pray? Did he pray right there? Did he? Did he um, gather? Peter and all the others, he gather them around. No, it just says, he bent over her and he rebuked the fever. And it looks like the fever heard what he said, because then it says what? It left her. The fever left her. So, he talked to the fever, he rebuked it, which means he told it to go away, and it went away it re- it responded to his words amen and speaking of words everything on this earth responds to sound kenan we were talking about this the other night the the earth was created by sound when when god said let there be light, he said it. The sound came out of his being, and the earth was created by sound. And if you research, Kenan's done some research about sound. If you look at particles, the, the most minute particle that we can see, it has a frequency. Right? It has a sound. Every, every particle on this earth has a vibration. A sound vibration. It makes a sound. And they've even figured out ways to capture the sound of like flowers. And, and you know, bugs and ants. and Everything has a sound. And everything on this earth responds to sound. And when you speak, when you say something, sound comes out of your mouth, right? And everything on this earth responds to sound. The sound of your voice. It can respond positively or negatively. Because you can speak negative words too, you know that, right? Right? and things are going to respond to your negative words cuz your words are formed by sound that's pretty interesting right that's just a little side note sorry i got off track a minute but anyway jesus spoke to a fever and it responded to him cuz he said something and that fever that fever is just a part of something on this earth it had to respond to the sound of his voice amen and He told you to do the same thing. Hallelujah. Right? Let's go back over to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11. Let's go on to verse 23. It says, Mark eleven twenty-three: For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Alright, so here's a key question for tonight, and this is where we're going. Did Mark eleven twenty three say, is this what it says? I want to be sure. If you say it, it will happen. Is that what it says? If you say it, it will happen. Is that what it says? Sort of. It sort of says that, yes. There's a qualifier right there. There is a qualifier in between the saying part and the having part. Right? There's a a qualifier in there. And the qualifier is, you shall not doubt in your heart. Which is to believe. Good job, Tim. The qualifier... See, people think they can just say something and have something. And that's where name it, claim it crap comes from. And they forget about the part in the middle that says, do not doubt in your heart, but believe. Right? And so, does the verse say, you can say it and you can have it? It kind of says that, but not exactly. Because there's that qualifier in the middle. Amen? And so, it says, note, you shall not doubt in your heart. Now, let's get straight what that says because it did not say, Shall not doubt in your head. Because your heart and your head are not the same thing. Your heart and your head are two different things. I remember when I was younger, the first time I ever went repelling. How many of you ever been repelling before? So you're going to understand. Before I went rappelling the first time, I watched some other people do it. And I was like, I can do that. I know I can do that. We used to go rappelling up here in Alex City on the rock right there on 280, where the where the flag is, if y'all have ever seen that. And so before I ever went, I was like, I can do that. And so I studied about it, I looked at the equipment, I watched someone else do it, and in my heart, I knew I was going to do it. I was going to do that. I knew I could do it. I saw them. I knew how to do it. And I set in my heart, I'm doing that. I am doing that. But then when I got up to the edge of that mountain, I still knew I was going to do it now. But when you know, you got to get backwards like this and and you kind of, that, that first step is a doozy. Let me just, that's what, you know, that, that old saying. In my head, I'm thinking, I can't do it. My head was saying, don't do it. You're going to die. But I had, I had set in my heart that I, was, that I knew I was going to do it. So I had two different things going on in my heart and in my head. You understand? I knew I was going to do it. But my head was saying, don't do it. Right? Brother Hagen said something really profound one time. He said, "He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it right here. He said, you can have faith in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head and still get results. Amen? And that helped me a lot when I heard that. Because there's been a lot of times when... I've been one hundred percent sure about something in my heart, but when I would think about it, I didn't know how it was going to work. I was convinced of it in my heart, but when I thought about it, things would come to my thoughts that would say, "How's that going to happen?" Right? Remember when you remember when uh, the angel visited Mary and said, "You know, you, woman, you have found favor with God," and and you're going to be with child, and you're going to give birth, and his name's going to be Jesus. You know, the angel came. And the first thing she said was, How's it going to happen? Okay, she didn't have doubt in her heart, but in her head, she was like, How's it going to happen? She believed in her heart, but in natural circumstances, she wasn't real sure in her head how. Because she was a virgin. How is she going to have a baby? She just wanted an explanation. Right? And so she believed in her heart. It's the same as the the man that brought his son to the disciples. Remember, he brought his son to be healed and uh, it was the boy who would throw himself into the fire and all that. And, and the disciples tried to... Um, Pray, you know, tried to heal, have him healed and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus came down and he said, where is the boy? And, and, and uh, he called the man over and, and he brought the son. And Jesus said, um, you know, if you can believe, he'll be healed. And the man said, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? Right? He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. So, he said two different things. Which one was it? Was he believing or not believing? Because he said, I believe, help my unbelief. And we know the boy got healed. He got set free, right? So, the man must have been believing in his heart. But in his head, he was going, I don't know how this is going to happen. His question to God or his statement to God was, I believe you. He said to Jesus, I believe you, but I don't know how, but I believe you. I don't get it, but I believe you. He had some unbelief, some doubt in his head because logically it didn't make sense. But in his heart, he was 100% in belief. We can do that. That can happen, right? You cannot stop thoughts from coming to your head. Thoughts are going to come. I mean, that's the... That is the devil's trickiest playground. Is to twist up your thoughts. Right? That's his favorite way to get at you. So he's going to throw thoughts at you. Right? You can overcome unbelief in your mind with the belief in your heart. You can override this unbelieving thoughts with the belief in your heart. Or you can allow the unbelieving thoughts... To turn your belief in your heart to unbelief. You can, you can allow doubtful thoughts to penetrate your heart. And change your your believing to doubting. Right? If you allow it. If you take that thought. And the, Bi- the Bible says, take no thought saying. If you take that thought and you plant it in you. And say, oh... Yeah, that's probably right. Never mind what I believed before. And then you've just taken your belief and turned it into doubt. Amen? So, back to Mark eleven twenty three. It says, And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Alright, it's not just enough now. The saying. Saying is not enough to bring something to pass. It's the believing without doubting that confirms what you just said. Amen? That's the qualifier. Alright? And so what I want us to do tonight, for the rest of tonight, and ongoing. I don't know how long. I want to address this issue of doubt. We're going to talk about doubt for a little while. Because it's a problem. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a big deal with people. Why do you think people can't get to a place of victory? Because there's so much doubt and unbelief. And it's all through this book right here. I might give you all some homework and say, go home and find one story in the Bible... Of a person that showed doubt and unbelief. And all you got to do is turn the Bible open. Because it's almost all of them. I'm serious. Doubt and unbelief. And so. I want us to spend some time talking about doubt and unbelief. So we can get it out of the way. And really when you're talking about doubt. You're really talking about faith. Because faith and doubt are like polar opposites. Right? And you can't talk about one without talking about the other one. That's why it's in that verse. Have faith in God and then say to the mountain, and then don't doubt but believe. Anywhere you see talking about faith, you're going to see talking about doubt. Because you've got to get the doubt out of the way so you can get to the faith. Right? And then there's the whole confessing part, or saying, right? And so, you could look at it like this, faith is over here on one hand, and doubt over here on the other hand, and my mouth is right here in the middle, amen? And so it matters which position my mouth is in. Is my mouth in position with the faith or is my mouth in position with the doubt? Right? And just saying something is not enough. Just saying it is not enough. When you can make confessions all day long. People make confessions all day long. People have a confessions list and they get up in the morning and say their confessions. And, you know, it gets to be a, a routine with some people. And, you know, they, they get on these confession kicks and confessions are good. Don't get me wrong. They're necessary. But if you leave out the believing part, without, and the I'm not going to doubt, but I'm going to believe what you're saying, then you're just saying some stuff. You're just confessing in hope. You're just confessing in wish. Or a lot of people confess in fear. They confess things in Fear. I'm going to make this confessions list because I don't want to die of this sickness. So I'm going to say all I can. You know, they they confess from a place of fear instead of a place of faith. And there's a difference. There's a difference. And so, we're going to talk about doubt. We're going to talk about doubt. What is doubt, anyway? What is doubt? Y'all want me to tell you, right? Insecure. Is that what you said? That's good. Doubt. Doubt. We're going to let the Bible tell us what doubt is. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James 1, starting in verse 5. James 1.5. Y'all ready? says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, this is different from the other word, verse because this is prayer. This is prayer. Did you know wisdom is a promise? And when it's a promise, you can pray and ask God to give you a promise. All right? See, the mountain is a problem. You don't pray about a problem. You speak to a problem. But a promise. You pray and you ask God to give it to you. Because he said ask. Wisdom is a promise. It's a gift. And so this verse says. If any of you lack wisdom. Let him ask of God. That's prayer. That give it to men liberally. And upbraideth. That means uh, he upbraideth not. That means he doesn't revile or make fun of you for asking right and then it says and it shall be given to him but now verse 6 is the qualifier so you just read that much and you say if any man lacks wisdom let him ask God and he gives liberally and and it shall be given to me yay I'm going to ask God for wisdom and he's going to give it to me and they forgot to read verse 6. They just stopped right there and they forgot to read the rest of it. Cuz verse 6 is the qualifier for the for you getting this. The qualifier is this. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. Did you see that? Not wavering is the same word as not doubting. Don't doubt. So it says exactly the same thing. Have faith and don't doubt. In the, in the Strong's Concordance, if you go look up wavering and doubt, it's the same word. It's the same word, okay? And in the Greek, this word doubt, it comes from the same word that means double. Doubt and double come from the same word. Now look at how you spell how do you spell Doubt. D-O-U-B-T. How do you spell double? D-O-U-B, right? So you see it's the same word. Doubt and double come from the same word. What does double mean? Double, double trouble, right? <laughs> double means two. So what does wavering mean? Flip-flopping between two different things. Or more than two. Wavering means to flip flop between two things. Right? Now. When you are in faith. Everybody think about the word faith. When you are in faith. It can only be. For one outcome. And one outcome only. When you set your faith, you set your faith for one result. Do you get that? One result. It cannot be, well, what if this happens? What about that? What if, what if, what if, what if? When you set your faith, there is no what if. You set your faith for one result. And that's it. Can you see it? If you're in faith regarding your healing, there cannot be any consideration for anything else. If you have set your faith to be healed, then you're not considering. I didn't say you're not listening to the doctor. You're not considering what the doctor says your result. If the doctor says, I'm sorry, but you've got this disease and you're going to die. If you set your faith in what the doctor just said, guess what? You're going to die. But if you set your faith in a place of, I am healed, and you find the scriptures that back up what you are believing even though what the doctor said, you just push that over there. Because you've set your faith on one result, and that is, I'm healed. Are you listening? Faith only sees one end result. No circumstances, no feelings, not what you see. Right? One result. And if you cannot narrow down your expectation for what you've set your faith in on one thing, you haven't got it yet. You just don't have it yet. you got to set your faith on one end result. One. Amen? Doubt or wavering or whatever you want to call it, it... it says things like, well, I don't really know for sure, right? I, I don't know, this might happen or that might happen or this might not happen or that might not happen. I'm not real sure. You know, God might heal me, but He might not. It might be my day or it might not, right? That, that's doubt. That's wavering. Whatever God decides is okay by me. That's, have you ever heard anybody go there when they get a, a report? Or facing a mountain? Whatever God decides. He's got my best interest at heart. You know, He'll do whatever He's going to do. Or the big one. You just never know what God's going to do. Oh, please. You just never know what he might do next. I mean, who knows? I'm just going to stay in faith. No, you're not. That's exactly the opposite of faith. If you don't know what God's going to do, you don't have any faith. God's just in control and whatever he says is going to happen is going to happen right that is my biggest pet peeve phrase well god is in control that's a that's a cast off that that relieves us from any responsibility of believing that takes all of the faith out of it if we get to a place where we just say well god's in control and he's going to do what he's going to do he's all powerful he's going to do whatever is you know whatever happens He's in control and he's doing it anyway. Well, there's no faith in that at all. You just put a big X over the faith. Right? It's absolute contradiction of faith. What if we use that technique in salvation? What if what if Sunday someone comes in here and hears a message Let's just say, we'll call her, I don't know, sister so-and-so, I don't know. She walks in, and she's lost. And she walks in here, she hears Pastor Allen give a message, and she feels conviction, she, she's ready to be saved. And Pastor Allen gives an altar call, and somebody leans over to her and says, Hey, sister so-and-so, you might ought to go on up there and get saved. Today might be your day. He might want to save you today. I mean, He might not, but if He does, you better go on up there. And so she gets on up here. She comes up here and Pastor Allen meets her right here and says, What have you come here for today? And she says, Well, I want to be saved. And and Pastor Allen says, Well, let's pray. Father, if it's Your will today to save Sister So-and-So... If it's, if today is her day then we're here ready for you. But if it's not, she can come back later. Or she can just live out the rest of her life, you know, knowing that she's lost. I mean, whatever you decide. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? That 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 would be dumb. That's not the way faith works. Faith salvation is a response and faith is necessary. For salvation. And it's never denied. How many people have ever been denied salvation? When they went and asked Jesus to come into their heart. He said. "Mm, It's really not my will today for you to know. Has that ever happened? Then why is it any different. When we approach the same God. The same Jesus. With the same promise. And the same faith With something like healing or speaking to a mountain in our life, and we approach that with tiptoe up, like we're not real sure if God wants us to have it or not. Why? If He has never turned anyone away for salvation, He's not going to turn you away for any other promise. Am I right? All right. It was really cute. Again at youth group Sunday night, Anna. We were talking to the kids, and Anna says, um, "You know, how do you know that you're saved?" Or you said something like that. Ask the kids, "How do you know? How do you know? How do you know that you're saved?" And one kid said, "Well, you know, I, I read the Bible, and um, and I believe that I believe in Jesus, and I, I read my Bible, and." You know, she couldn't really like, like, I'm saved. You know, it was hard for her to articulate that. And so, it was this wonderful opportunity for us to share with them, wasn't it? For us to share with them how they can know and not have any doubt when someone asks them, uh, are they saved? How to get to a place of having only one answer, one conclusion, one final result, and we took them to Romans 10:9, right Anna, which says, um, if, you're, "If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you are saved." Right? And we, we, we just shared that with them, and we, I feel like we planted some surety in their life, because when we asked them the question, there was some doubt they didn't know how to articulate, I know I'm saved, without a doubt. They had some doubt. And sometimes we have doubt, because we just haven't really found in the Word what gives us the right to say what we're saying. Right? And so, we got to get to a place where we know who we are. We know what belongs to us, and we know that when we say to that mountain be removed. That we have the right. And the authority to do it. Because too many of us. walk around in doubt. We don't believe that we have that right. We don't believe that we have that. That ability. To speak to a mountain. We're wavering. You know the word wave. Is in wavering. Because it means going up. Going down. And then going up. And then going down, right? If we're believing for something and we're wavering, we're like this He's gonna heal me. He's gonna, here comes my healing. Oh no, it's not coming yet. Oh no, He's not gonna heal me. He he is gonna heal me. He's healing me. Look, I'm being hit. He- I'm not being healed. I'm not gonna get my healing. I'm not, oh my, 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 my symptoms are all gone. Oh wait. There comes that pain again. He must not have wanted to heal me just yet. Away. That's wavering. Up and down. Up and down. Based on circumstances. Based on feelings. Based on what we see. And I know I'm talking a lot about healing. But it's any circumstance. Did you know you can talk to your money? Your money? Right? Talk to your bills. Bills. In the name of Jesus. Be paid off. Money. Come into my hand. To pay these bills off. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Isn't that exactly what Mark 11.23 tells us to do? I don't know about y'all. I'd rather be ridiculous. Than broke. Broke. Sick, depressed, in bondage, no friends, family falling apart, marriage broken. I'd rather sound ridiculous, hadn't y'all? I would rather sound ridiculous and talk to that thing rather than let all of those, my whole life fall apart. Amen. I'm just going to talk to it and say we've got to get our mouth open. we've well, we got to connect our faith to it, and we've got to get out of the place of doubt. We've got to get out of the place of wavering. Some of us hit a place where we 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 get out of doubt, but it's only because we're at the top of the crest of the wave. And as soon as we go down and the circumstances come, all that. Faith we thought we had poofs. And we fall right back into the ways of the world. We just got through talking about the kingdom. This is a kingdom issue. We are kings and queens. And this is, this is a kingdom operation right here. This is the way the kingdom operates. Right? This is the way the kingdom operates. We've got to quit going up and down, up and down, up and down. We've got to get stabilized. The, the rest of that verse says, um, over at James 1, it says, but um, uh, the person that believes is, uh, that, that is in doubt is unstable. A person that's wavering is unstable, I think is what it says. We've got to get to a place where we're stable." a double-minded man a du- there's that word double a double-minded man what does double-minded mean you're thinking of two outcomes a double-minded man is a person that's not in faith cuz they're thinking about two or three different outcomes there's no faith in that faith puts your the outcome in one answer one answer one or double? Which is it going to be? Stable or unstable? Faith or doubt? That's where we are tonight. And there, there's a lot more to this. Doubt is bigger than we think. It's more rampant than we think. It is doubt and unbelief is what gives the devil a way to operate. Because if we all got rid of all the doubt and unbelief, we'd believe everything we are, everything this Word says we are, and everything that Jesus says that we can do. We'd be operating just like Jesus in this kingdom if there weren't any doubt and unbelief. Right? But because of doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief is the same thing, because of unbelief, The devil can work. Right? That's what Pastor Allen has been talking about. Deception. Deception is just unbelief. Deception is circumstances that cause you to not believe. Deception is just twisting the truth so that you won't believe the truth. Right? That's where we're going. We're going to talk some about doubt. Doubt. Over the next week, two weeks—I don't know what, how long it takes—and we're going to get some doubt out of our, out of our being, out of our workings. And you know, I, I try to be um, understanding with people. I'll say it like that: understanding with people that should know better. But there comes a time when you just have to. You know, the people that you know know better, you got to call them out on some stuff. Stop thinking that way. Stop saying what you're saying and stop doing what you're doing. Put your faith, we got to step up our faith game. We're going to step up our faith game around here. Are y'all ready? That's what we're going to do. I could talk all night. I'm sorry. But we're going we're gonna to talk some more about doubt and unbelief. And y'all are, let me say, that you're not going to believe what there is to say about unbelief. You're just not going to believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. Hallelujah. Um, who wants to come pray?